In this week's episode of the Raw and SmackDown Reaction, I'm just talking about how much I love the storylines happening on Raw, SmackDown, and 205 Live. So let's get to it. You want to know what's going down in the world of wrestling? Then I suggest that you stay tuned to Verbal Wrestling. Welcome everybody to the Raw and SmackDown Reaction, presented to you by Verbal Wrestling, where we use our verbal skills to talk about wrestling. I'm your host, Charles, aka Mr. Chastastic, and once again, I'm enjoying a lot of what's happening on Raw and SmackDown. I'm really big on storylines because it's wrestling entertainment. That's what the E stands for in WWE, and with the entertainment factor, you have to give me more storylines of what's happening, which is why wrestlers are wrestling. And what Raw and SmackDown are doing, I'm just loving it a lot. They are actually, well, Raw actually has been doing a way better job the last couple of weeks than they did once the brand split. And then, at well, I would say at this point, Raw had a better show this week than SmackDown. That's my personal opinion, and it was better because SmackDown is at the point where they're kind of kicking into to different gears. They're moving on from older storylines to now newer storylines, and I'm assuming this is to make way for WrestleMania. Because we know WrestleMania happens in around April, so by the time the Royal Rumble kicks in, you're ready trucking along to try to get these storylines to culminate at WrestleMania. So, Ron SmackDown's doing a good job. SmackDown is, as I say, gears are changing. They're just moving things to new, to new different angles. And Raw is just continuously impressing me because, by comparison, they just did not have that great of a track record. But I would say it's about already five episodes that I've been well surprised and pleased with what I was watching. That right now I'm just kind of break everything down. Um... What I'm loving about the Raw storylines is the what basically there's like what I would describe is the storylines are pretty distinct and there's enough space in between storylines that I'm invested in each turn. So though it's a three hour episode, they do enough in the four or five storylines that they're running that I'm still engaged in each of the storylines. So it's kind of like an ensemble cast of like multiple characters where everyone has a role in it, but yet they all kind of converge later on. I guess like Pulp Fiction could be something that you could think about um, and movies like that. I can't even remember, but it's basically like one scenario, different aspects, but they all kind of intersect each other. And that's what I feel is happening with Raw. It's still a long show. I still think three hours is way too long for an episode, but they've been doing pretty well, pretty good job of making sure that there is like a start, a middle and an end within the entire episode. Even though the storyline doesn't mean it concluded, it means that the episode did begin and had a middle section and a finish that I was left feeling, wow, that was a pretty good episode. So what are these storylines? If you haven't been watching it, these are the storylines that I will be going through. Um, this past weekend, WWE had Roadblock, and I liked it a lot. I think Roadblock had a great show. Um, it was a good, it had a lot of good elements into it, 
but I'm not going to break down Roadblock and Raw and SmackDown. Well, I won't break down Roadblock and Raw separately because I felt that some of the storylines that started in Roadblock carried on into Raw. So to me, I'm just going to go back and forth and just talk about the storylines. But so the first thing that I do want to talk about was Sasha and Charlotte's match, the 30 minute Iron Man match at Roadblock. That was amazing. They put on an amazing show. I felt that that stole the entire show. I liked that way better than the whole, uh, was it Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns? Because with Charlotte and Sasha, they were, you know, with an Iron Man match, if you don't know, even know how that runs, it's 30 minutes and whoever accumulates the total amount of pinfalls within that 30 minutes becomes the winner of the match. If there is, if they're at tie at the end, usually it just becomes a tied match and that's it. But what they did at roadblock is that though there were one and one at the end of roadblock, or was it two and two? I forgot, but though they were tied at the end, the ref made the call that they're going to go an extra, they're going to go into overtime. So they gave extra minutes to find out who would make that last tap or that last pin. And that was a nice switch. That was a nice change. It didn't, it, instead of just making that storyline linger even longer, which they could have done, they actually had a, def, a very definitive winner. And that winner was Charlotte. So Charlotte has won the title multiple times. I personally, personally am kind of tired of just her always winning and the flopping back and forth. But the interesting thing about that storyline, Sasha and Charlotte, is that when Raw came, it looks like now they're going to start feuding with other females on the roster. We know that Bailey was there. We do know that uh, Nia Jax is there. So what happened in Raw is Sasha came out. She wanted. She said the best woman did win that that night. And Charlotte, I want to I want to call you out. But instead of Charlotte coming out, Nia Jax comes out. And so they had a little scuffle. Nia Jax attacks Sasha Banks, attacks the knee because apparently Sasha's knee was supposed to be all tore up because of that Iron Man match the night before. So that was a great start of another storyline. And then Charlotte feuded with Bailey. They had a match. Bailey wins at the end. And so now it's no longer just Charlotte, Sasha, and everybody else just fills in. Now they're trying to do the SmackDown thing and try to give these two main adventures of the women's uh, division their own separate, uh, two separate storylines. So that adds more depth. It's nothing new on SmackDown. SmackDown's been doing that. There is more of a div women's division on SmackDown th than Raw. Raw, they just focused on Charlotte and Sasha. But now they're trying to expand it, and I guess they need to expand it in order to actually give the other females on Raw more exposure. And the funny thing about that is they still have to introduce Emelina. Why, for the past month and a half, do we see these promos about Emelina? Just show up. No one really cares. She, she wasn't really anything when she kind of debuted before her injury. I mean... She did have that whole thing with uh, her first introduction with, um, what's his name? Santino Morella. And then she went back to NXT, reinvented herself, came back to the main roster, was a heel, and then she got injured. 
And now they're trying to hype her up to do another restart of her like uh, character and still hasn't been introduced. So why so long? And it's at the point that I'm not even excited if she shows up because I don't really care. Same thing with like Eva Marie. They haven't mentioned her. I don't care if they show pictures of Eva Marie. There's nothing there I'm interested. Unless she comes out with a big, Emelina comes out with a big pop. I don't really care. But going back to the women's division, Sasha and Charlotte are apparently are no longer feuding with each other. They're actually expanding it more to include Nia Jax and Bailey. But what about Alicia Fox? Well, she has a whole different thing happening on 205 Live as she is the now girlfriend of Cedric Alexander. So she has a little spot to be on TV and to contribute as well to the WWE product. But I'm just happy that for now, I will not be seeing Sar Charlotte and Sasha wrestling again. It's the same thing with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. I love that they wrestle, but I'm kind of over it. Show me something new because they're, the, the roster does have a lot of depth, but you know, it is what it is. So now they're moving on. After that, I do like what's happening with Enzo, Cass, Rusev, Lana. What I'm loving about that storyline is the last couple of weeks, the storyline isn't completely in-ring action, I should say. In-ring action. Before, it was just that backstage when Enzo was naked. And then the, the other week was Enzo going to the hotel room. And now this week, Enzo is in sensitivity training because he was showing his junk in the backstage locker room area. And so that is cool that they're actually able to infuse somewhat storylines or kind of like just present the product in a different way or storyline in a different way than just in the ring and backstage behind uh, in front of a curtain. You know, that's what we've been seeing. But now they're just doing a little bit more story developing. It's um, something they've done in the past, a long time ago, Attitude Era and times after that and probably past the Attitude Era. But I like that they're going back at that. And, and Enzo is just a more is just an entertaining character than just merely doing his shtick walking to the ring. So if anyone could pull off those backstage little vignettes is what I'll call it. Those backstage vignettes that aren't really, you know, that, that doesn't involve him always yelling, but more of interacting with someone. I mean, Enzo is that guy. He has the best character that seems relatable and everyone kind of knows an Enzo Amore type of personality, a person with that type of personality. But at Roadblock, you know, it was Cass and Rusev. Rusev uh, wins by doing something to Cass where he gets counted out. Then in Raw, they did a rematch. And there, Cass got his payback by beating up Rusev. They were in the corner. Rusev, uh, Cass just kept beating on him. Ref counts to five. Cass never broke. And after the bell was rung, Cass just kept clocking Rusev. And that's what I like about, like, something real. The, the, the storyline of that match is basically, it's not a match, it's about a fight, it's about anger, it's about 
just wanting to beat someone up for doing something wrong to their friend. And that's what wrestling's always about. We don't really have pure heels. There's only a few real pure heels, and Rusev is a pure heel. But you want to see that someone's invested in a story which is causing them to fight the way they fight. And that's what's being portrayed with Cass beating up Rusev in that rematch. So Cass lost, but they both kind of told the story well enough to see what else is happening. And then back at the sensitivity training at the end of the show, throughout the whole uh, segments, we saw Enzo and Jinder Mahal kind of bumping heads. But at the end, Jinder Mahal and Rusev both jump Enzo Amore. And I'm like, cool. It's like a different layer to the storyline. It's not just pure in-ring. And that's awesome because... They revealed these segments. It's not even vignettes. I don't even know why I said vignettes earlier. But these backstage segments are kind of intertwined throughout the episode. So it make it has this cohesive thing tying in all three hours. And I like it a lot. They did a great job there. Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho, though we thought that they were finally going to break up. It apparently didn't happen. In Roadblock, KO tried to like still make amends with Jericho, and Jericho still was snobbing him when the match with Jericho and Rollins came in. KO wanted to help Jericho win, but instead, Jericho lost. So when it was now Kevin Owens' turn to fight Roman Reigns, Jericho also comes out, and as he stands in between both of them, he gives that little smirk, and then attacks Kevin Owens. We're like, what the hell? Why is he attacking Owens? But at the end, it was declared that Roman Reigns was the winner or was disqualified. And Kevin Owens is the winner. And because of that, because uh, KO, Kevin Owens, was the one that was knocked out or attacked. That usually means the person who is attacked is by default the winner and the other person is disqualified because it's usually the person who does the attacking is fighting for the other person and not the one that's being attacked, if that even makes any sense to you guys. But it Raw, it plays out that now that that was just a ploy by Jericho, they really are best friends. And so Kevin Owen wins. And they're best friends once again. But now they're throwing that dynamics to even a bigger thing that in the Royal Rumble, it's going to be now because uh, Jericho's constant interference in Kevin Owens' matches, he's going to be suspended above the ring in a cage with Kevin Owens fighting Roman Reigns for the title at Royal Rumble. So, as I say, it's just... The development, the change, before it was Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins. Rollins was angry because Triple H assisted Kevin Owens to win, so they ran that course. Now it moves over to, to Roman Reigns, and you could pretty much bet that after the Roman Reigns and everything fades out, it'll be now Kevin Owens and Jericho. So they actually have like about a month, two months of carrying on feuds before they have to move on to the next person. And more than likely that once WrestleMania comes around, they're going to do a new redraft. Because I bet you they're going to do that a yearly thing. They're going to 
put everything back into the mix and they're going to redraft and make something happen where, or they're going to allow trades and they're going to do something so that they could still mix up the roster. But that's what's great about that storyline. The next storyline I want to talk about is also Sheamus and Cesaro. Congratulations to them because they beat the New Day and I'm proud and happy and glad that New Day is no longer the champs. Because I don't think that they were, they were entertaining, but I don't think they were that great. I was entertained by what they do, but I was kind of more annoyed. Them being the longest reigning tag team champions was more annoying to me than anything else. Can Big E wrestle? Yes. Can Kofi Kingston wrestle? Yes. Can uh, Xavier Woods wrestle? I guess yes, though he wasn't usually the main guy within the three uh, doing the Freebirds rule where any two of the three could actually defend the title. But they were just more about entertaining and I want to see, show me wrestling. It's kind of like when DX was there, they were funny and entertaining, but you never doubted their wrestling ability. When they had to go toe-to-toe to someone, they went toe-to-toe. With New Day, I don't get it. Though they're a tag team, and they I just don't believe that they actually, they allowed them to be christened as the longest reigning tag team champions since the last time that reign occurred. That was back in the 90s. So, you know, 20 years later, let's kind of do something new and anoint a new longest reigning tag team champions. But, but them, New Day in particular, not feeling it, not too excited about it. And of course, the last, I would say, 10 to 15 years, WWE never really invested in that tag team division. But now they're mixing it up. I know, I believe SmackDown has a better tag team division than Raw, but it looks like Raw, they're trying to develop that because they changed it to Cesaro and Sheamus. They gave it a new, they gave it a new look with a new belt, which is basically silver, it's the same belt, but it was silver now. The emblems are silver with the belt itself being red. So think the SmackDown belt, but instead of blue as the belt, it's now red. So, and then in their whole segment on Raw, Sheamus and New Day, and then Gallows and Anderson, they both had like a tag team match. So it looks like what they're trying to do is really up that division that tag team division on raw because it is well established in smackdown they just haven't really given much prominence or really just try to like make it a great division to fight for as they do in smackdown raw just has been slipping on it but i guess now they're going to try to do something new now that's just saying uh cesaro and sheamus are the team but what i'm saying is just the whole storyline of how Cesaro and Sheamus got to where they're at, I think is awesome. Because when you think about how it was back at the brand split, they were hold the best of seven, promised to be the number one contender. After the best of seven, it was like a tie or something like that. It was weird. And then Mick Foley said, become tag teams. And then I know you guys can be great. And now that they're the tag team champion. So you can see the evolution of their character. They just didn't throw them together, then made them the champions which is what they've done in the past. Throw people together. If they seem to get popular, then give them the ch- titles. No, they actually developed them. The only thing I wish with the small with the Raw 
tag team division was is that there's more real tag teams because New Day is a tag team. Shining Star is a tag team. Gallows and Anderson, though they're a tag team, because it's Gallows and Anderson, I want them to have like a name. Of course, they called them the club, but the club only worked with AJ Styles there. And that's because of Bullet Club. But if you listen to Gallows and Anderson's uh, podcast or whenever they do a podcast segment on Jericho's talking, uh, Talk is Jericho podcast, they always, they're called, they're known as the Good Brothers. And they always call people Good Brother. Oh, that's a Good Brother. So make them a, an official tag team with, a, or give them an official tag team name. I'd love to see that. Cesaro and Sheamus, I would love to see them have a tag team name. I like to know that these are now two people that are a tag team. And we know that because there's a tag team name. That's what I'd like to see with Raw. But as far as, you know, their wrestling, Raw and Sheamus, you know, they're just awesome individually. Um, Gallows and Anderson, Raw, awesome individually. I like the Shining Stars. The funny thing is, after those four, except for Enzo and Cass, there's really nobody else on the tag team division in Raw. So, well, see what happens, how they develop even more, but... In my personal opinion, and I think I'm missing something else to talk about. Oh, and then there's that Strowman, uh, Sami Zayn stuff. Uh, I'll talk about that some other time. But overall, the storylines they have there, it's about five or about five of them. One, two, three, four, five. About five, six of them. Five, six solid storylines that's able to be tell a story within the three hours that I feel is doing a good job. The segments in between them is just enough, kind of like the the little jobber matches just to get Strowman over. I don't hate that because it kind of breaks up the storyline. It's not back to back to back to back. It's just giving you a different variety of something to see other than the storyline. So I like it. I'm entertained with it. I think Raw is doing a great job. One thing I also want to talk about regarding Raw, and this is more about after Roadblock when they had Raw Talk. I just want to say that was terrible. If you watched Raw Talk, you'll know why I believe it's terrible. And if you're listening to this, not ever watching Raw Talk, Raw Talk sucked because it was like going everywhere. It was, it was, I don't know the girl's name, but it was Booker T was the other panelist or host of Raw Talk. So it was both this girl and I think her name is Charlie and the, uh, the and Booker T and Booker T is just such a terrible on air person. He just needs to interject slightly, but he shouldn't control a conversation because his mind and his thinking and his interruptions and his talking over the guest is just wild. There's no sense of there's just no sense of like, I don't want to say professionalism. It's just, it feels like they're at a bar just talking and he just wants to talk and just throw it in. It's like, no, I mean, this is supposed to be a talk show. So we're trying to get more out of the person who they're, their guests who's on the show. They're supposed to shine, but when they're talking, don't stop them. Let them complete the statement and then interject. Unless it's a heated debate, but it was, but I would say what I saw with Booker T, it wasn't a heated debate on any particular subject. It was more, he just wanted to throw something in while he's talking about something. And I'm like, 
Oh, terrible. And the girl, she just couldn't control that flow. And it was just, it was bad. If they did that every week, I would not watch it. It's not like talking smack. Talking smack, Renee Young and Daniel Bryan's does such a great job or they do such a great job but raw talk was terrible i don't even think i'm ever gonna watch it the only thing great about raw talk is that it also developed the Sami Zayn uh personality because he was one of the guests at the at raw talk at, at yeah at raw talk and he continued to impart that the whole issue of him wrestling Braun Strowman, I mean, the whole, the whole, his whole issue is really Mick Foley keeps interfering in the match. And he brings up the point that, you know, there's so many bosses outside the ring. What's done in the ring is really 100% him, but Foley just keeps trying to interfere and that shouldn't happen. And that was a good point. But aside from that, I just can't think of anything else happening on raw talk. That was, that was worth remembering but that was basically ron smackdown that's their storylines let's move over to store let's move over to smackdown now i told you that smack that raw was better than smackdown this week and this is the reason why as i mentioned they're changing gears they're changing up storylines because it looks like they kind of ran the course of their existing storylines so now they got to build up something new and so what did they do first it was James Ellsworth versus AJ Styles. This was a squash match. And so you would think the whole reason why James Ellsworth is there is because he was kind of like a third party puppet that Dean Ambrose was able to use to just piss off AJ Styles. And it worked. But you knew that once James Ellsworth fights AJ Styles, he's going to lose. So what happens with that is James Ellsworth no longer any no longer plays a role in SmackDown. And so signing him really just doesn't do anything. And they just kind of put him on the shelf and not really do anything with him. That's what you would think. But no, there's actually something interesting is that after the match, you know, he went backstage and was injured and being treated. And then uh, later on in the show, as he was walking around, they're trying to interview him. Carmella comes out to help him. And I found that very interesting. Because James Ellsworth's character is primarily a naive, bushy-eyed, wide-eyed guy. That, thou, this is Raw. Or this is SmackDown. This is the WWE. I made it big. Kind of like that country bumpkin that went to the city the first time. That's basically his personality. So Carmella, who is like the slick talker, kind of little biachi. I don't want to say the the real B word, but he's she's little kind of biatch and E like esque. <laughs> um, the heel, her trying to help Ellsworth is I could see just a new angle that puts Ellsworth still relevant within storyline, because now you have Carmella that could be the manipulative person. Always manipulating Ellsworth to do whatever she wants him to do. She could be the one, he could be the one that he's trying that that always 
hypes him up and puts him in such bad situations, whether it's a match against someone like Luke Harper or, you know what I mean? But she's manager slash, she's just like the boss. And Ellsworth is kind of like the puppy dog waggling his tail around her. And I can see that whole thing's possibly happening just because knowing those characters. But like what I'm saying, I'm loving the way the storyline line is because I like getting an idea of where the show's going. It's no different than being excited about Rogue One, wanting to know more what's going to happen so that when it does happen, you're like, oh, or when it doesn't happen, you're like, whoa, they changed it. Same thing with this Carmela and Ellsworth thing. I have an idea where it's going to go. I just want to see how it really is going to play out. But Carmela is thrown to a new level because it looks like now, instead of feuding with Nikki, Nikki's not going to feud with Natalia because it has been revealed that Natalia was the one who attacked Nikki at the Royal Rumble, which was pretty awesome. I like that they actually put it out in the open because now it changes gears in that feud. Carmella doesn't have to be the main person. Carmella now got Natalia to admit that Natalia was the one who attacked and Natalia now embraced her angst against Nikki Bella that Nikki Bella was always the pretty one and the main one and now but Natalia should be in her spot so that was interesting I like how that's going I would figure that should have happened a long time ago but the way that they eased it in the way that they got Nikki and Carmella like hot and hot wrestling matches and Nikki actually improving in her wrestling. Now she can move over to Natalia, who's a great worker and maybe can match Nikki in a real good wrestling match. Because if we look at it, as far as the women in the WWE, Sasha Charlotte are the hottest female wrestlers. Bailey is another one, but she hasn't been really in major feuds on Raw. So where does that leave SmackDown female wrestlers? It, you have to just level up. And I think Nikki could level up with Natalia. What about Alexa Bliss and Becky Lynch? I like what they're doing, but I think Becky really can out-wrestle Alexa Bliss. I really feel that Becky Lynch carries more of the weight for Alexa Bliss. Alexa Bliss is a great personality. Great character. But as far as wrestling, those neither of those two, Natalia, Nikki, neither... Alexa and Becky, I don't think he could reach the Sasha Charlotte level. But they can try. They have the opportunity to. And I want to see that develop. Because I don't think Carmella really can wrestle as good. Well, definitely she cannot wrestle as good as Natalia. But putting Natalia Nikki, I believe they can elevate. And we'll see what happens with Alexa Bliss. Good wrestler, but I want to see them elevate and reach better, bigger heights because Sasha and Charlotte really set the bar. Now, those are those female storylines. The next thing, the other storyline that's happening is The Miz and Maurice. Knowing that Ziggler is now the number one contender, he's no longer feuding with The Miz. So who is The Miz feuding? Dun, 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 Dean Ambrose. And I like the way that they got this started because basically The Miz had a match with Apollo Crews, and The Miz won the match. So Renee comes out to try to interview him, and The Miz is just being the jerk, 
and he's talking about Dean Ambrose and the Miz says something to the extent of, well, you know, you're sleeping with him, right? And so she slaps him and walks away. Now, the cool thing about that is the WWE now recognizes that Dean Ambrose and Renee Young are, in fact, you know, they are a real couple. But now acknowledging it in front of the camera now just makes it a little bit more real. I like how they, they're able to pull reality to the WWE. So how did they... So by doing that, that all of a sudden links Dean Ambrose to The Miz to feud. And because The Miz has Maurice, now Dean Ambrose has Renee. Now, whether Renee will take bumps or I don't know what she would do, and I'd like to see what happens with it. And maybe she'd want to get more involved because I think they're almost every broadcaster that was just only a broadcaster at one point in the WWE actually got in the ring or actually was at ringside. I mean, think about the coach. He was just supposed to be someone that was there uh, that was just an announcer. He all of a sudden became one of the big heels announcers and heels in WWE. And then you think about um, who's the other one? Even, even Cole. Michael Cole was just an announcer. And then all of a sudden they started doing some stuff with him and JR and JR got in. And so I could see Renee getting more involved in the in-ring product, whether at ringside or having to step in the ring, though I doubt that's going to happen. But it's just interesting the way that they were able to pull the Miz and Dean, Miz and Dean Ambrose together to feud. So I found that very interesting. And then, of course, the number one is AJ Styles against Ziggler. They threw in Corbin, and I like it. I You know, Corbin, to me, hasn't fought anyone I mean, they pushed Corbin to be the more like Braun Strowman. He's a big, ruthless guy who's a loner and just wants to win. But he hasn't had real wrestling matches. He hasn't like wrestled to the level that you would expect as a main eventer. And so, I mean, him and Kalisto had okay matches, but it's AJ Styles. AJ Styles is just probably the best worker in the roster right now. Now, now that Ziggler is there, Ziggler's good. I just, there's something about his character that just isn't taking him, taking him to the AJ Styles level. But now those three are in the mix. I mean, it's AJ Styles. Of course, he's going to make great matches with both these guys. AJ Styles is a person that I don't care who's in there. He can make you look good without him looking bad or looking weak. And of course, with John Cena coming back, which is going to be next Tuesday, maybe that's going to be a new mix with Baron Corbin. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Or maybe it's going to be The Undertaker because I know that they're trying to, there's rumors saying that it, they're thinking about putting uh, John Cena against Undertaker at WrestleMania. We'll see what happens. I don't know. Well, that's basically a, the storylines of SmackDown it's just not like uh, what I'm loving about it is it's not one and done and then move on to something new. It's actually spread out week after week, like a regular TV show. And some parts of minor st stories may go down and they move on to a next level of that story. That's awesome. I mean, when you think about raw and SmackDown, 
they don't have 24 episode seasons. They're 52. They have 52 episodes, 52 episodes a year. So that is just very impressive that they're still able to mix things up. The good thing that they're doing is WrestleMania seems to be the conclusion of a season. And after that, they start preparing for something different. So that's that. Uh, last thing I want to talk about is 205 Live. 205 Live, I'm loving it, loving it, loving it. Because I know we know the cruiserweights can actually do so much amazing moves. What was missing is storylines and there at Roadblock, Neville comes out after TJ after Rich Swan, TJP, and Kendricks all fought. Neville comes out to congratulate Rich Swan and attacks Rich Swan. Mind blown. Neville is now a heel and he looks good as a heel with his hair dangling and not having to be all happy go lucky. He is a good heel. And he's now teaming with Kendricks, who is another heel. And now you have TJP and Rich Swan versus Neville and Brian Kendricks. But what I think what was missing was that hardcore heel. And Neville is awesome, awesome at that. I would love to see that heel character, Neville's heel character look in Raw or in SmackDown. I forgot which brand he's at. I like to see him be that mean. But I guess being smaller, it just doesn't work. But in the 205 Live, him being smaller, he's actually the same size as everybody else. So he fits in 205 Live and him being a heel is awesome. My, it's awesome. Mind is blown. Love it. Love it a lot. Now, I mean, TJP and Rishwan, what they were missing was the bad guy to their good guy. Other thing that's really awesome about 205 Live and the Cruiserweights is that Noam Dar and Cedric Alexander is having their little scuffle because we found out the motivation for Noam Dar for being a jerk is because he's really in love with Foxy, baby. He's in love with Alicia Fox. And all he wants for Christmas is her. So that is awesome. So now you have that triangle of him wanting to take Cedric Alexander's girl away great way to go i haven't seen that done it it, it it's just awesome love how that's working and then aria davari and jack gallagher awesome because jack gallagher is the perfect gentleman where aria davari is just a mean jerk love how that's coming out so i'm like really excited about ron smackdown it just and 205 live is just very entertaining i haven't really got into watching NXT and that's just more of a time thing because after Raw and Smackdown both Monday and Tuesday I'm kind of burnt out that's why on Wednesday when they have Lucha Underground and Thursday Impact and then there's still NXT I'm just kind of burnt out with the wrestling I kind of watch my want to watch my other shows but I mentioned that in the past but I love Raw and Smackdown and I will broadcast I will podcast about those shows, but that's what I like about it. Um, and that's pretty much all I got coming to a close of 2000 of this year for 2017 or 2016 with the new year coming of 2017. 
I'm kind of debating on whether I should still do Raw and SmackDown reaction because the reality is I actually have two podcasts, this one and the Chastastic View, where the Chastastic View is really focused on Southern California independent wrestling and other stuff. And other stuff means whatever is cool in the news that I want to talk about. But the Raw and SmackDown reaction, I feel that there's so many podcasts out there that does this. And in reality, this podcast is just inspired by Sam Roberts podcast, because I think he has an amazing way of looking at the the WWE product. So what I was trying to do with this, you know, this one is just something fun to do because I do watch a product and I do love talking about wrestling. That's why I use my verbal skills to talk about wrestling. Um, I just don't know if I will have time to even really keep this consistently because for 2017, what Verbal Wrestling is doing, what my brand, Verbal Wrestling, is trying to do is I want to delve more into video. And video is a kind of a different beast because with video, I still have to edit clips and then I got to put them together and then I got to make sure and then export it. Where in podcasts, I just record it, export it, upload. Meaning that there's so many different processes and in video, you kind of want to add like more, you can still got to add text and there's just so much more that I really want to try to do, but I'm not sure it. So because of the time frame that, or the timing that the time that it takes to do a video, I'm not sure how consistently I'll be doing the Raw and SmackDown reaction, but this is my 20th episode. I'm so happy I was able to make it this long. And I was happy that I'd be able to find another niche, which is independent wrestling in Southern California, which is in reality the the main function of verbal wrestling was to kind of expose people to Southern California independent wrestling. So if you're not listening to the Chastastic View, listen to that as well. But as far as this episode, I love Raw. I love SmackDown. I will be watching the product. Will I be podcasting it as much? I'm not sure. But if you like this this podcast, hit me up on my comments. Tell me you do like it. Give me a heads, give me a thumbs up or a like or whatever they do on SoundCloud. Um, and I'll do more of this if I feel that it's getting more, uh, more, if more people want it. It's just, in reality, my real passion is video. So I want to kind of put some time into that. But we'll see what happens in 2017. It's still a plan, but that's pretty much it. That's all I really got to say. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you guys all have a good one. Oh, if you want to reach us, Facebook, Twitter, Verbal Wrestling. Just look up Verbal Wrestling. YouTube, look up Verbal Wrestling. Website, verbalwrestling.com. Email, verbalwrestling uh, at yahoo.com. And give me some comments. Give me some feedback. I will appreciate it. But as far as that, I do thank you for listening, and I hope all of you guys have a good day.